Hello, and thank you for being a member of the History of World War II podcast, Episode 57, All In. Last time, the Chenkufeng incident had been resolved, but not to the satisfaction of Tokyo, and doubly so to the men of the Kwangtung Army stationed in Manchuria. They would be on the lookout for any further trouble from Russia, and then they would do what the chosen army could not. And considering that each side distrusted the other, and there were numerous instances of undefined borders between the two, the Kuangtung would get their chance. In western Manchuria, a section of the Mongolian People's Republic, or MPR, controlled by Soviet Russia, protruded well into central Manchuria. And just like the area around Chengkufeng, the Japanese and the Russians believed that the most eastern border of that protrusion was along two different locations. For the Russians, the border ran in a northwesterly direction near the town of Nomahan. There was no parallel river there to help out with the demarcation. Still, the Russians, using Mongolian maps, had, in their view, ample evidence to support their claim. Whereas the Japanese believed the border of Manchuria started about 10 miles further west along the Halha River, roughly parallel to the supposed Russian border. And after looking at a map of Eastern Asia, and then considering the amount of land in dispute versus the amount of land both sides held, it would seem to many that a four-month-long unofficial war and the deaths of tens of thousands about to come was hardly logical. But the madness was already in the air. Throwing out common sense or international law, During the first half of the 1930s, when Soviet Russia was militarily weak in this area and the Japanese troops aggressive, the latter's position was that the Halha River was the border, period, and the Mongolian forces were not able to resist this position. But as the Soviet Union emerged from Stalin's purges and built up their forces in this and other nearby areas, they reasserted their belief that the border was actually along Nomahan, to the east. But the Japanese, locked into a death struggle in China by then, could not afford to look weak before the hated Russians. So, starting in late 1935, there arose many small clashes between Mongolian and Manchu Kuoan soldiers in the region. But Tokyo needed this potential trouble spot, contained, as China was their main focus. So the Japanese border unit was upgraded to the newly formed 23rd Division under the 23rd Divisional Commander, Lieutenant General Komasubara, and the 23rd Division was placed, as was logical, under the Kuangtung Army. Before Komatsubara took up his new post, he met with Colonel Inada, who, contrary to his attitude at Chenku Feng, expressly told Katsumabara not to worry about any minor border disputes. His job was to gather information and use his extensive knowledge of Russian politics to report back to Kuangtung headquarters. Komatsubara, who had no fighting experience, understood his duty and showed himself to be a calm, calculating, responsible officer. He let the border garrison unit responsible for the area around Nomaham get on with its job. But on November 1, 1938, A lieutenant and two soldiers of the 8th Garrison, boldly, even arrogantly, approached the border from the west, that is, the border near Nomahom, 
to the east and were attacked by NPR cavalry. The two soldiers were killed, but the lieutenant made it back to base. Kumatsubara, when he got the report, didn't fly off the handle and launch an invasion, or even make a vague request to send in his troops. Instead, he prudently made sure the NPR weren't crossing the border in strength, filed a report with the politicians to get the two bodies back, and ordered the lieutenant to his barracks for 30 days. But Komatsubara was swimming against the tide. The Kwangtung war plans, which had not changed for four years during the mid-1930s, were altered after Chen Kufeng. Before, if war came to exist between Manchuria and Russia, the idea was to launch a massive surprise attack against the Soviets within the Usuri River region, located just south of the Amur River in eastern Manchuria. As for the area of northwest Manchuria, where this current situation was playing out, that had been deemed to be the shield, as it was merely a blocking action to the sword that would strike along the Usuri. But after the humiliation of Chen Kufeng, new plans were drafted by a joint commission between the Army General Staff and Kwangtung Army's Operations Department. And you can see where this is going. The new plan called for a holding action in the east. Remember, there is a sliver of Russian territory between Manchuria and the sea. And in the north, while an all-out offensive was launched from Halar on a west-northwest axis towards Chitta and on the Lake Bagal, cutting off the Trans-Bakal Soviet Far East. The area back to the east could be reclaimed later, after Russia was served a military setback west and north of Manchuria. And this was called Plan 8B, and three of its officers from the general staff, two colonels and a major, were then transferred to the staff of the Kwangtung Army to begin the plan's implementation. Yet, there was a problem with 8B. The Russians could counterattack along the Japanese southern flank from the Mongolian salient, the very area in dispute between Nomahan and the Halha River that jutted into Manchuria from the west. Plan 8B was to take five years to fully implement, a normal time for such things. But the more 8B was looked at by the leaders of the Kwangtung, by the spring of 1939, more and more of its officers believed that the Mongolian salient could be a trouble spot. Enough, in fact, to wreck the new plan altogether. And during the first steps of the implementation, a railroad was to be built that ran close to the Halha River, to the west of Nomaham. It's not known if the rail line was a part of 8B, but it caused the Kwangtung to view the disputed area with even more apprehension. The result of this apprehension was even more border reconnaissance by 8th Border Guard Unit of the 23rd Division, starting in early 1939. And these excursions led to Russian General Stern to publicly declare that Japan was planning to attack Mongolia. Another piece of the puzzle to the upcoming undeclared war was the policy change put in place in regards to border disputes. This change did not factor in Japan's current military obligation in China, but rather to make sure future losses, like along the Amur River and Chengku Feng, would not be repeated. And the origins of this policy change are as strange as anything that can be 
when dealing with war and the great game. After the situation of Chen Kufeng died down a bit, a major Suchi of the Kuangtung Army Operation Section was sent to reconnaissance those heights and several places along the now-shifted border in eastern Manchuria. He saved his last mission for Chen Kufeng itself, which was carried out in March of 1939. Taking 40 men with him, he had his men line up and walk openly up the hill, their guns slung across their backs, demonstrating no ill intent. The Soviets watched them closely. But as Major Suchi came within 200 yards of the Russian defensive line, the Japanese soldiers stopped, undid their front of their trousers, and urinated as one. The Russians started laughing. The tension was broken. Major Suchi took his men a little ways away and had lunch, boisterously singing army songs. Again, the Russians watched, fascinated. In truth, this was nothing more than a diversion, as detailed photos were taken of Russian dugouts and defensive works on Manchurian, i.e. Japanese, soil, according to their maps. To the Russians, they were obviously on their own land, by right, or if needs must, by their recent victory. Yet with this evidence, Major Suchi went back to headquarters and helped draft new guidelines that said, the border needed to be withdrawn, respecting the opinion of where the Japanese thought the border should be. And if that didn't work, then the Kuangtung army should simply drive the Russians away. The leaders of the Kuangtung approved of this plan, but when it was sent up the chain of command back in Tokyo, an officer of the general staff told the Kuangtung representative that the border violation was to be ignored due to Japan's commitment in China. Besides, the Russians were now too busy watching Germany to give them any trouble. The Chen Kufeng incident was in the past. When the leaders of the Kuangtung heard of the rejection of their policy to protect Japanese soil, they drew up their own plans, regardless of Tokyo. It was called the Principles for the Settlement of Soviet Manchukuoan Border Disputes. A section of the principles will make its tone and intentions clear. And this policy was meant for all of Manchuria. If the enemy crosses the frontiers, annihilate him without delay, employing strength carefully built up beforehand. To accomplish our mission, it is permissible to enter Soviet territory, or to trap or lure Soviet troops into Manchukuoan territory and allow them to remain there for some time. Where boundary lines are not clearly defined, area defense commanders will, upon their own initiative, establish boundaries and indicate them to the forward elements. In the event of an armed clash, fight until victory is won, regardless of relative strengths or of the location of the boundaries. As can be guessed at, these principles had nothing to do with settling disputes over a border, but rather starting disputes over any infringement, supposed or mistaken, which was bound to happen as the two sides couldn't agree on the line of separation in several areas. And of course, this plan was against government policy. But Kuangtung Army Commander Lieutenant General Ueda, along with his Chief of Staff and Vice Chief of Staff, approved of the plan. 
as of April 25, 1939. It was now Kwangtung Army policy. But why did they agree so readily to such an aggressive policy, one that was sure to cause conflict between Japan and Russia? Simply put, the latter part of the question is its own answer. Besides, the leaders of the Kwangtung were tired of being tied down by the perceived weak men in Tokyo. They had all sworn an oath to the emperor to protect Japanese territory. Well, the men in Manchuria would keep their word. And this madness for revenge continued. Per regulations, a copy of this policy was sent to Army General Staff, but no official response was forthcoming. Unofficially, and who does this if war is in the balance, the Army General Staff let it be known that they expected the Kwangtung leaders to check with them in case something triggered this new policy. But the men of the Kwangtung ignored this unofficial request, unofficially. The men in Tokyo should have known better by now. Events continued apace. Mongol civilians, as well as NPR border patrols, regularly crossed the Haoha River during March and April of 1939. Of course, according to their maps, they were still 10 miles within their own territory, but not according to the Japanese. Another border dispute would erupt within three weeks of this new policy coming into being, but this clash would become an all-out, albeit undeclared war. On the night of May 10th, 20 soldiers of the NPR crossed the Haoha River and continued on to the east. To their mind, they were coming up closer to the border with Manchuria. The Japanese would not see it that way. Ten miles to the east, or before the approaching NPR troops, lay the small village of Nomaham, on a rise of about 150 feet, where Mongol civilians had lived their lives for centuries. During the morning of May 11th the next day, the NPR soldiers were seen by Manchu Kuoan forces, themselves just west of Nomaha, again to their thinking, well within their own border, and just north of the Holston River, which flows west, just south of the village. Per the policy, a Manchu Kuoan cavalry force, about 40 strong, drove the NPR troops back to the west and didn't stop until they had recrossed the Haoha River. As they were no longer being pursued, the NPR group leader reported the incident, but relayed that they had been chased by some 200 men. But fortunately and proudly, it was reported, they had killed first. This seems to be true and would only incense the Japanese even more. The NPR soldiers were reinforced, now having around 60 men with them, and recrossed the Haoha River, pushing back the Manchu Kuoan cavalry, and then stayed there in between the Haoha River and Nomaham. To cover their shame, the Manchu Kuoan cavalry reported that they had been attacked by 700 Mongols. This was escalating fast. The clashes continued for a few more days in between the river and the village, but of note, each side reported the fighting to their Russian and or Japanese superiors. As of this moment in time, 2015, there are about 11 versions of this unofficial battle, but what can be said with some certainty is that the Manchu Kuoan cavalry shot first, 
But now that Moscow and the Kwangtung army was involved, the facts of further blame won't matter all that much. As for the Japanese, General Komatsubara was informed of the border clash, just as he was, literally, going over the new policy. And now that he had read it out loud to his men, decided there and then to enforce said policy. The NPR forces were to be destroyed. And having made his decision, Komatsubara informed Kwangtung Army Headquarters of his intentions, as well as asking them for planes and trucks to carry his men. Their response is easy to predict. The reply came back as an enthusiastic yes, and a congratulations for having the positive attitude. And he would be getting more than he asked for. Yet there was one catch. For all of their support, Kwangtung headquarters made it clear that Komatsubara was not to let this get out of hand. Exactly how does one being loaned from the 23rd Division, six scout planes, 40 fighters, 10 light bombers, as well as two anti-aircraft batteries and two motorized transport companies, fight within a 10-mile area and not expand the fighting. Headquarters didn't say. They just wanted a complete victory without enlarging the conflict. All this correspondence was sent to Tokyo, and the Army General Staff and this does not make sense even for a second, just assumed that the Kwangtung army, as it was outmanned eight divisions to the Russians' 30 divisions in the area, would act prudently. Nothing would be further from the truth. By May 15th, the Kwangtung strike force had reached Nomahom, but by then, the majority of the Mongolian troops were on the far side, that is to say, the western side of the Haha River, with just a few troops on the Japanese side. Whether this was a test or simply to maintain honor didn't matter, as these last few seemed to be ready to join the others, which mattered even less to Lieutenant Colonel Azuma, who was chosen by General Komatsubara to lead the assault. A part of Azuma's force, consisting of an armored car reconnaissance company, two infantry companies, and a cavalry troop, advanced that afternoon of May 15th. All the way to the river, Azuma found nothing. The enemy, in its entirety, had retreated. Not that it mattered, as some of Azuma's light bombers flew over the Hauha River and spotted a small group of Mongolian soldiers. That they were correctly located at MPR border outpost number 7 didn't matter. The enemy and these men who had retreated were deemed the enemy, had been found. Ordered in, the bombers began their strafing run, which killed two and wounded fifteen. Honor was satisfied, and General Komatsubara ordered the force to return to Haleyar the next day. Kwangtung Army Headquarters was equally satisfied. The battle was over. However, the Soviets didn't see it that way. 